Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm so glad that we're going to have a couple hours together or or however much time you can spend with me. I'm looking forward to Guy Talk coming up here in just a minute. And then hour two, I'm going to have Dr. Chris Bruno on the program. He's going to talk about how we can learn from the apostles and model them. And then Dr. Mitch Glazer from Chosen uh, People's Ministries in New York will be coming on the program as well. So that's the plan for today. It's going to be a good one. I've been working on the show all day today, and I'm excited that it's happening now. We've got uh, Pastors Tom Brock and Tom Parrish, and I think we've got uh, Pastor Justin Jepson coming on the program as well. But for now, I've got the two Toms. Gentlemen, welcome. Good to be with you, Bill. Good to be with you and everyone in TV radio land. Well, it'd just be the uh, radio land. Oh, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) You're living in your own TV world. I am. All right, before we get started today, let's do a little housekeeping here, a little cleanup from previous, a couple of comments that came in from previous episodes. And one was directed towards you, Tom Parrish, and it was uh, a comment that a listener made about uh, you making it sound, and maybe it sounded to her like it was a derogatory comment you made at people who had trouble... Uh, reading and understanding. And I don't think... My red flag did not go up when you made that comment. Um, well, but tell me your side of the story. Yeah, we were talking about uh, a family member whose family doesn't read the Bible, you know, and they say they're believers, and why aren't they reading? And one of the things I cautioned was, well, first of all, see if they can read, because I've worked with a lot of people that can't read. Right. My brother-in-law, I mentioned, couldn't read, and uh, still has a hard time to this day, so we buy him audiobooks. But I speak from my own experience. When I was a little kid, I was in the Bluebird group in elementary school. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... Yeah, I, well, it was the worst group there was for reading. I okay. could not read. I couldn't read until between my fourth and fifth grade year of school, and I had to teach myself to read because my learning style didn't work in that classroom setting. So I really had to work at it, and through even through junior high and high school, reading was difficult for me, and comprehension was difficult. By God's grace, and I can't explain what happened between my senior year and uh, by a miracle going to college, because I shouldn't have gone, but the Lord got me in anyway, I started to read, and I became really proficient at it, and today I, I read volumes and volumes and volumes. My goal is this. I'm more interested in understanding. Mm-hmm. If people can't read, I, you know, don't hide it. I, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. Let's find a different way for you to understand God's mm-hmm. Word. Right. And that's what my goal is for all people. And so I apologize to the listener. There was no nothing derogatory on my part. I simply want people to get the message and get it clearly. And you know, even if you can read, I want to plug something called Bible.is. It's mm-hmm. a free app. You put it on your phone. When I can't sleep at night, I push the button to Bible.is, and it reads the Bible out loud to me. And I, I mean, I can read, but I love just listening to the Bible. Mm-hmm, I do, too. So there you go. Me, too. Yeah. It's Bible.is. That's right. Yeah, I just want to make that clear. It's an interesting app. I have it on my phone as well. Tom. I have it. Yeah. And then also, 
I was realizing that when I was growing up in grade school, I would read something, and then when I realized I couldn't instantly comprehend it, I felt a little panicky. And I wished my teacher would have said, you may need to read this two or three times before you grasp what it says and what it means. Yeah. Because when you read something once and you don't get it, you start to feel a little bit like a dummy. Mm-hmm. And I'm clearly not a dummy. <laughs> well, it's, it's, what are you laughing about, Brock? Uh, I don't know what I'm yeah, laughing okay. about. I, uh... As strange as it sounds, being the kinesthetic learner, you know, there's visual learners, auditory learners, and kinesthetic. Kinesthetic need to move. When I finally went to college and I didn't have any teacher telling me to sit at a desk mm-hmm. and not to bother my neighbor and not to talk to anybody, I'd go to the student lounge. I would walk. When I would read my text, I would walk when I would be doing things. And I had no issue at that point uh, because the college was not interested in how I got to the answer. They just wanted the answer on, you know, printed out or, you know, a term paper. So my goal is to help everybody learn the best way they can so they can be the most effective they can. And uh, I'd be glad to talk to this listener if I can ever help. Well, no, I mean, I think we always want to connect with listeners and meet them where they're at. And if we ever say something that uh, feels offensive to you, let us know. And we we certainly do get that from time to time because what we say is not always what people hear, right? I don't think there's a mean bone in our body in this room, but it's also uh, nice just to uh, hear from you. If you hear something from us that you think, oh, that didn't fit well or didn't sit right with me, let us know what it is. You can uh, always send me a text at 877-933-2484, or you can email me, Bill, at MyFaithRadio.com. And I do want to just say, we going forward, we always want to be lifting up God's Word and letting the Holy Spirit lead and direct this conversation. And I certainly don't ever want to take uh, a shot at any kind of denomination that might have uh, might be not doing a great job. Uh, I think it's just not necessary to point that out. I think it's just always good to focus on the word. And that sounds uh, like a plan going forward. Good for me. Yep. (laughs) Tom Brock, a little more reluctant to say yep. (laughs) But but felt like he had to. Justin, how are you? Hey, Bill and uh, Tom. I'm doing well. Yeah. I often uh, just call you 007, but I just got your, uh, I just got your email and I want to uh, read just for the listening audience the title that came with it: Director of Spiritual Formation Program Student Life here at the University of Northwestern. Wow, that is impressive. It is. I like it. It's I don't know really what it good. means. I don't know what it means, but it's <laughs> impressive. That's just, just my. It's just my call sign. Yeah, it's not the real. Yeah, I just. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like that. All right, yeah. we've got some questions coming in already. First question involves, unfortunately, a person that has some regret in their life, and I've asked. <laughs> Jesus to heal my regret, but it just doesn't seem to go away. And I keep reading about that passage in Philippians, that uh, peace of God that passes all understandings. I'm not feeling it and looking for ways to find it. Hmm. Yeah, well, I, I, I can definitely empathize with that with that listener. I mean, and, and I think on one hand, um, maybe to, in fact, normalize that experience. I mean, I don't think I've ever met, you know, um, a Christian that that hasn't wrestled with that, and uh, you know, and, and I think for, in my experience, I think regret isn't so much that it needs to be healed, but that it can be redeemed. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and I think uh, maybe kind of the classic uh, pinnacle story, an example of this is is Peter, right? Um, and and the fact that he denies Christ, um, th- in fact, three times, 
and um, and just just the powerful um, you know encounter of, of Je- post resurrection of resurrected Jesus and and Peter and um, and just you know you know and I look at the disciples I look at the the people that we see in Scripture and they wrestle we see Paul wrestled with the sense of regret you know and the fact that he he persecuted the church um, and dragging Christians off the ch- to uh, to prison and and had cast his lot to have them put to death. Um, and so I, I think all of that, that there's nothing that is beyond the grasp of God's grace to redeem and actually use for our good and to set up an opportunity for ministry to encourage others and to extend that same grace that we've received. Oh. One of the things we need to be doing more of in the church is being honest with one another. I think I mentioned this a week or two ago that in the Greek of the New Testament, almost all the yous are plural. You know, when Paul talks to people, you all is really what it should say. The problem is, I think the devil wants us to internalize everything to the point where we mull it around inside, and we we don't talk to anybody about it. We don't share. And Jesus established the body of Christ. Not that he couldn't talk to us directly. Of course he can, and he does. But more often than not, most of the growth that I've had, most of the insights I've had, most of the experience I've had came from other Christians or other people who shared with me the story of Jesus working in their life or the insights he's given them, or how their marriage was healed. So I think that uh, for the the uh, person that wrote this in, it's important that you gather a group of, uh, especially men or women, depending on who you are, uh, to sit and talk to you about this and to, to listen and to pray with you. Um, some of these things take a long time to overcome. Some can overcome quickly, but too often in isolation, we don't overcome them at all. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. If you're if you're troubled by a past sin or some regret that you've done and you just can't seem to get freedom to move on, uh, I would do what it says in James 5, confess your sins to one another mm-hmm. and pray for one another that you may be healed. So if you haven't done this, I would find a Christian you respect, tell them what your regret is, um, if uh you ask him to pray with you, announce the forgiveness of sins over you. I think that, that the absolution is important. And and then claim First John 1, 9, if we confess, God forgives. And if the devil keeps bringing it up, just you got to ignore him after that point. You know, take him to Luther. would When the devil would bring up Luther's sins, it would have said that he would take, say, Satan, let's go to the cross. And here's where my sins have been dealt with. Mm. Goodbye, you know. Fantastic. So, yep. All right, here's a question about... Um, does the panel have any recommendations for Bible memory? There's that verse out of Psalm, I think, 119 mm-hmm. that says, uh, hide your word in, in our heart. What a great place for it to live. So any uh, suggestions uh, for Bible memory? This goes right back to my learning style again. Uh, being the kid who struggled reading when I was young, I can still see the first Christmas program at my church when I must have been three years old. <laughs> I can see the chancel. I can see the people. I'm very visual. And for me, at least, I, I got onto the Jerry Lucas system, the old basketball player, where he turned all the scripture verses into pictures. Mm-hmm. And I do that now. I did that with my confirmation students. I do that with adults on a regular basis. Uh, I can teach people how to do that. You can make up your own. The point is you can see the picture in your mind and you can recall it. And from the picture, you can do the Bible verse. Maybe not exactly, but pretty close to what the verse says. And I've done that with uh, hundreds and hundreds of verses over the years, and it's it's kept me in good shape 
uh, because I can still see the scripture verse in my mind when I think about it. So if you haven't looked into that, there are many out there that do this now. Jerry Lucas, uh, I don't know if his system's out there anymore, but there are others, and I would recommend them. I I had to memorize all of 1 Corinthians 13 when I was a senior at Bethel College. And the way I did that was I I made up a song, (laughs) and I put 1 Corinthians 13, so I can sing you the entire 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. I can sing you the first, what, 14 verses of Romans 6, because I put that to a different song. And there's a few songs. I mean, i got to be honest, I don't memorize Scripture much. What I do is listen to Scripture a lot. Mm-hmm. So if you give me the first half of a verse, yeah. I can often give you the second half of the verse. But I haven't memorized the whole chapter. Your, your recall for Scripture verses are, is amazing. And that's because I listen to it. Okay. Yeah. When I'm making pottery, for a, that's my hobby. Yeah. I listen to Scripture, okay. you know, whatever. So. Yeah, I uh, I love what I affirm what's already been said. I think the um, a couple things that's been helpful for me, kind of my own personal style too it's 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 kind of four phrases i I read it write it say it pray it Ooh, Mm -hmm. Um, say that again read it um i I read it say it write it it. say it pray it so and they they all go together i've already got a picture in my mind justin thank you there you go yep and um and and i think that and that that repetition um is key and and i and my recommendation of what's served me so well and it's uh is to not memorize kind of isolated passages of scripture but tom's already alluded to this i think there's a greater benefit in memorizing passages chapters oh, yeah. even books mm-hmm. of, of scripture because then we're going to understand them in their context and i've been just amazed at how the holy spirit has brought that up at times and i think um i think you know you know that that verse Psalm 119, you know, um, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding his heart according to your word? I stored up the word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, you know that it's stored in your heart when you're facing a temptation or you're facing a trial or you're facing a critical decision, and all of a sudden a, a scripture bubbles up and then you, that maybe you didn't even know it was there. Um, but it takes that intentionality. And, and I would also say, um, Tom already brought this up too, do it in community. Um, don't do it just necessarily by yourself, but even grab one, two, or three other people um, and, and do it with others. All right, let me take a little break. Guy Talk is uh, looking for your questions. Let me know what they are. If you've got a comment you'd like to make or something you want clarification on or you just have a question you want to ask us, send me a text, 877 877-933-2484. 877-933-2484. Eight four. I say you have to say something three times. Eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Three times. Back with Guide Talk, we've got pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, and Justin Jepson. Dr. Peter Kapsner is not with us today. He's getting his second Ph.D. in one day today, so he's taking the day off to get a second <laughs> Writing PhD. someplace in California ah, for $5. Who yeah. <laughs> 18 days, $18. Yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking of our, our question about Scripture memorization. Uh, this week, uh, I had Pastor David Miles on the show. We were talking about the way in which advertisers try to get your attention and really, the what they're what they're trying to do is ask this question: How much of your life can we get you to give us? 
mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we're looking at some of these advertising revenues and that you will see roughly 6,000 to 10,000 images a day, which wow. seems crazy. But then we talked about it. And if you go into a grocery store, you might see 600 walking through the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Everything is just as, you know, assaulting you mm-hmm. for your right. attention. Mm-hmm. Right. And the social media goes on to say, uh, if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. Mm. And they want to get your attention. So if you start to say, if I restrict how much time I spend looking at my phone or being on the Internet and getting on social media, which I call anti-social media, you might have more time to spend memorizing Scripture. Mm -hmm. It's a good word, and absolutely. I mean, think about it. If I was the devil, I'd find every pleasurable way I could to steal time from other people. From mm-hmm. believers, so they don't have time for the word, don't have time for prayer, and especially don't have time for one another. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's done a very successful job yep. in many people's lives, and too much in my life. And I remember sitting, I think, in a restaurant, and here's all these teenagers. None of them are talking. All of them are looking at their phone. And then sometimes right. later, here I was in a different restaurant, and th- here's a group of maybe eight people. They're all older people. Same thing. Really? All of, yeah. Hmm. These people were in their 70s or, or older, and just they, with the exception of one or two, they were all on their phones looking down. So that's, that's very addictive, and I think we need to pray about, God, help me not be addicted to this phone, you know? Yeah, no kidding. Agreed. And then also on Monday, I had a philosopher and theologian on, Ken Samples, who's a very interesting guy, and we went through the... Uh, the uh, Ten Commandments, and a listener asked a question. He would like us to revisit the question. Okay. He wants a second opinion uh, based on what the panel might say. So it goes like this. Um, I, I want to revisit the application of honor your father and mother. Initially, I was referring to those who are currently being mistreated, abused, exposed to alcohol or drugs by parents claiming to be Christians or even witnessing to non-Christians who are not only questioning the goodness of God, but find it difficult to obey this passage in those circumstances. What should we say as Christians to those individuals? Mm-hmm. Well, you've not only got the honor your father and mother verse, you've got the submit yourself to the governing authorities verse in Romans 13. So if your father is sexually molesting you, mm. you have the right to call the government. Mm-hmm. and say he's breaking the law, he's breaking me. So I, I think you can honor your mom and dad sometimes by calling the police. That's what's going to help dad get help. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't think honor your father and mother means sit back and let them abuse you. Well, sometimes the child or the, the teenager is forced to becoming the adult and because the parents are behaving like children. And it's a tough thing to see. And I've seen it a couple of times in families um, and you're right. Sometimes you have to call the police or you have to bring in a, a counselor or something. But in the context of the Bible, the context was the covenant people of God, Israel, and the Ten Commandments were for preferably a mom and a dad who were honoring the, co- the covenant, honoring the Lord, honoring his word. And so it was saying to children, look, don't be rebellious and just do your own thing. Don't forget your mother and father. When you honor them, you honor me. And I think we see that today. In our culture, I remember when we took my mom and dad in almost 18 years ago, and my dad lived five years with us, my mom uh, 15 until she died two years ago. I can't get over the number of people who said to me, and I never even thought of it this way, 
well, you really honored your mom and your dad by taking them in. Well, here's the reason. I've worked a lot of nursing homes, and they try the hardest they can there, but it's not family. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want my mom and dad in a setting that Mm -hmm. wasn't family. Mm -hmm. But it's part of honoring them in the sense that uh, to the day my mom died, when we'd sit down for dinner, she was 99 when she died, we'd sit down for dinner, I'd play 19, I'd play Benny Goodman music. (laughs) I'd bring up the 40s music, because that's the music she grew up with. And she would sing, and and she couldn't dance anymore, but she'd tap her fingers. Mm. And we did that virtually up to the day she died. It was Mm -hmm. a great time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is a... Yeah, such a good question and really sensitive one. And certainly honoring your father and mother, I mean, absolutely does not mean to give them a pass if they're living in sin or if they're living a life that is um, going against the grain of God's kingdom. If they profess to be Christians, I think sometimes honoring them means speaking the truth in love mm-hmm. um, and doing that in a gentle way. Um, I, for me personally, I think when this first hit me, um, when I was a 17-year-old uh, in between my junior and senior year of high school, I'd grown up in one certain church faith tradition, but I started attending a different church that was of a different denomination, and that's where I happened to be making friends, and I was growing, and I was doing—kind of had a foot in both churches for a period of time. And so the church that I was going to that I was growing in moved locations, and then I could no longer do both because the times conflicted. And I was just going to that one other church with my parents to really please them and to honor them, and I didn't want to dishonor them. But I, even as a 17-year-old, made a decision to stop going to Sunday morning church with them by going to another church, and that was a process. And, you know, I, I, did, I, did, I did some things wrong, for sure, as a 17-year-old looking back in hindsight, but ultimately I needed to, you know, follow the path that I believe God was, was calling me and, and to talk about it with my parents and to say, oh, I'm not doing this despite you guys. I'm not doing this because you've done, you've done something wrong, but this is where I want this is where I believe God's calling me, and it's been amazing to see the process and the change and growth in their life in a lot of ways um, as they've they've actually followed suit a little ways and, and left that one church and, and, and started attending a different church that I think was more faithful to the gospel. So, um, yeah, I think there's it's, it's a hard issue, and I think it applies a lot. It takes a lot of wisdom to apply that in today's context, um, and but I think as, if it's done with grace and patience— um, that's going to demonstrate an honor um, because it's going to reflect Christ's character to your parents. Yeah, I think it, it comes down to this. Honor mother and father. Children, by and large, live in an environment, if it's a healthy environment, where they do that. They're just kids. It's when you get to be teenagers and the world begins to push in on you that you have to make a choice whether you're going to listen to mom or dad or you're going to simply listen to the world. And I learned real fast in life uh, as a Christian that I can blame everybody else for my behavior. Bill, it's your fault. Tom, it's your fault. What Not you said fault. to me, you did. Quit blaming it, it on yeah, me. It's always somebody else's it is, fault. It is my fault, Tom. Yeah, yeah, I, no, I, I know it is, that. Tom. <laughs> I would agree it is your fault, Tom. But I had to learn real fast <laughs> that I cannot let my behavior be determined by what others do. True. I have to make a choice. And my goal has always been to honor Jesus, and that's what I try to do. Amen. We'll take a little break. When we come back, let's have lots more questions. Let me know what they are, 877 933 2484 again 877-933-2484 would love to hear from you be back in a minute
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Prime time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Lots and lots and lots of good questions coming in. Keep them coming, 877-933-2484. And just to complete this thought we last had on Honor Your Father and Mother, a uh, listener jumped in with uh, just wanted to be more specific to focus on God's goodness. How do we explain through Scripture that God is still good despite those circumstances of difficulty? I would say that what pops into my mind is Joseph's brothers abusing him, mm-hmm. throwing him into the well, yep. selling him into slavery. And years later, he writes the Romans eight twenty eight of the Old Testament. What is it? Genesis fifty twenty. Mm-hmm. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to keep mm-hmm. our family alive by making me number two man under Pharaoh. And so, you know, uh, I, people listening now, some have been horribly abused by their parents. Hang in there. God can even use your abuse somehow for his good. Mm-hmm. Tough words, but yeah. it's true. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I, I mean, it's, it fits very well. Thank you, Tom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, another Another example comes to my mind that's you know a little bit different, but I think of, of David's King David's father Jesse. You know when uh, Samuel is coming to anoint the next king, um, that that he essentially was unseen um, by his father, right? You know he said, "Don't you have any other sons?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I guess I guess I have another one, but he's off in the field." So the, we can even kind of surmise from that that he wasn't as valued in the same way as his other brothers were. But at the same time, while that's true, God still saw David and, and he was the one that he chose because he looked not on the outward appearance, but upon the heart. So if there's someone who really feels that they haven't been valued or they've been did uh, even by their parents, that God still sees you and has, has a plan for your life. One thing I really encourage Christian parents to do is be honest with your kids. Actually sit down and talk with them, put your phone down, look them in the eye, listen to them. When you're wrong, admit it. I mean, I don't know too many parents that have said to the kids, you know, when I accused you of this, I was wrong, and I sinned against you and against the Lord. Please forgive me. Too often, the parents are always right. The point that I want to get across is this. Christian parents, no matter how good you are, you're still not Jesus. And we don't want—I never wanted my boys to compare my behavior with Jesus' behavior. We're two separate entities altogether. Jesus is always right. I am a human being. I make mistakes. And my boys are all adults now, and I've watched them do this with their kids, which astounds me. They, they will correct them for something, and they'll say, but ultimately, you're accountable to Jesus, not to me. I'm just a human being like you that needs the love of Jesus. So I think that as parents, we try to be perfect, and we can't be perfect. And, you know, I, don't, I, I love my mom and dad, but I don't remember once either of them apologizing. And that would be powerful. For, oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right, here's an interesting little question. Um, has God already created hell, or is he going to create it when he cast the devil in there for good? His coworker, he and his coworker are having an argument over this question. Hmm. So is well, it past tense or future tense, or I, present uh, tense? Well, what we need to say, first of all, is the devil's not in hell yet. Some people think right. the devil is in hell ruling over the demons and never says Satan's going to no. rule in hell. Right. In fact, I think he'll be on the lowest rung in hell. So is hell there right now? Well, there's Hades, you know, the place of the dead, but mm-hmm. that can just simply mean the graveyard. 
is hell. Well, yeah, I, I, because of Luke 16, mm-hmm. I think hell's there now because yeah. that guy uh, died and immediately went to hell. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think we can say because of Luke 16, there's a hell right now. Thank you. I was going to say that. Good uh, job. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> and if Justin yeah, agrees, well, we're three for three. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, no, I don't disagree. I was just going to add the... Um, you know, I, I think of the that idea of the first death and the second death and the great right throne judgment, the end of Revelation, you know, because on, on one hand, when you say the flip it, if someone goes away right now, are they in heaven? Well, yes, but not, not heaven in its final eternal state, because God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And before he does that, he, he's going to call everybody, the living and the dead, to stand before him, and essentially their eternal destiny is confirmed. And then it says then that they'll be thrown into hell that was prepared for the devil and his and his and his demons, um, for those that whose names were not written in the book of life. So, on one hand, I think there's still a full uh, there's a still a completion of what the eternal state of both heaven and hell is going to be. If that makes sense. That's good. And you think about this for a minute. The Bible says that hell is basically the total absence of God. No prayers are answered. He's not there. He doesn't help you. You basically get what you wanted, no God. But it's a horrible place. And then Jesus talked about Hades, Gehana, about how bad it is there and how horrible it is for people. So uh, I think it was in John 5 where Jesus says, you know, the moment you believe, you will pass from death to life. Mm -hmm. Death in that sense is not just physical death. It's spiritual death. People are spiritually dead. And when they wake up and receive Jesus, then they moved into eternal life. And the Bible affirms that eternal life doesn't begin. Someday, it's already begun the moment you believe. I tell you, when I started to believe in eternal hell, when I was about 20 years old, I mean, I was raised Christian and I I believed, uh, I, I argued with the Bible and my friends about whether there really was a hell. When I came to accept what the Bible teaches in uh, Luke, excuse me, Matthew, was at 26, where Jesus talks about eternal punishment. Everything changed. That's when I started evangelizing my family and friends, when I started believing there is a place you go, you can never get out. I mean, there, there's an old Far Side cartoon with Satan standing next to the door of hell, a line of people coming in the door, and Satan smiling. There's a, a sign over the door. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. I mean, just think of that. Mm. When you go to hell, you're there for eternity. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. All right. Another question. I have a friend who says all anxiety is caused by demons. This friend is always going into spiritual warfare when he counsels people. Is this paying too much attention to Satan? Yeah, I... Uh... Yeah, just to, just to jump in here, I, I think anxiety is a you know, and kind of a corollary to to that of depression. Um, we are more than just spiritual beings. Uh, we are physical beings. Um, we have mental and emotional uh, capacities, and all of those work together. Um, and God has created that to be so. Now, our body is temporary. We'll receive a resurrected body someday, but that doesn't make it any less important um, on this side of eternity. And so I don't think uh, we can make a case to say all anxiety is um, solely from the presence of, of the demonic or spiritual warfare. However, we can, we should never neglect that completely because I think it's, it's never, in, in, my, in my opinion, 
in my experience, I don't think it's either necessarily an either or, but it's usually a both and. And and I think when it comes to spiritual warfare, we can go to two unhealthy extremes where we swing to one healthy one unhealthy extreme, which is, you know, we, we notice the demonic everywhere. There's everything spiritual warfare. There's a demon under every rock, behind every bush, and we have to always seek it out and drive it out and pray it out. The other unhealthy extreme is what C.S. Lewis calls the greatest lie the devil ever told, which is he doesn't exist. Yeah. And um, the phrase that I, that's kind of anchored me is that I think we need to have our gaze on God and our glance on the enemy. We need to be more focused on what God is doing and how he's moving and working, but yet still be aware of what the enemy is doing and, and the impact and that we do engage in spiritual warfare every day, whether we realize it or not. And our true enemy is not a flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual enemy. So I think when it comes to things like anxiety, having a more holistic approach rather than um, an isolated approach is is most helpful. Where I get into dealing with, in my ministry, with the demonic and praying over people is that for 10 years when I was at Trinity Minnehaha Falls, we had our own medical clinic built right into the building, and I would interact with the doctors and nurses. Over the years, as I got to know doctors and that, every once in a while I get a call, Pastor Tom, can you see one of my patients? <laughs> you know, we put them on medication, we've done everything, they've been in another psychiatric ward, they're not getting any better, we don't know what to do. Then you take it a little more seriously about the spiritual warfare, and you begin to, to probe that. But when people would come into me and say, you know, I'm having these thoughts in my mind, I'm hearing these voices, the first thing I'd ask them is, when's the last time you saw your medical doctor? You know, make sure you get a checkup, make sure you're taking medication for a medication. Then we move into the, the next realm. But it, it is really kind of discerning and, and piecing it, because it's not all one or the other. Well, and you know, anxiety is bad, and the Bible says have no anxiety about anything. Right. But stress is not necessarily bad. Jesus had Jesus sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, my soul is sorrowful even to the point of death. So having deep stress is not a sin. Jesus had that. Yeah. And uh, to say that all anxiety is a demonic thing, I think that's way overboard. And somebody said you have to determine whether the problem is, you know, four foot nine or nine foot four, meaning is it just your flesh, you as a human, or is it something demonic? I think it can be. You know, there, some people are so ang- anxious about everything, maybe something demonic is going on. But overwhelmingly, I think it's just part of human life. Yeah. And, but in my experience, most people that really get demonic issues have dabbled in the demonic realm, whether mm-hmm. it was through crystals, whether it was through tarot cards, whether it was through a variety of things, or, you know, you join a coven and like in Minneapolis, we have 22,000 self-identified witches. And a lot of those witches wind up with real serious problems yeah. along in life. And some of them have sought out Christian pastors looking for help to get free. Hmm. There's another question. I forgot to pray for a person I met at a fair, for example, and I don't know their name. Does it still count when I later pray to God? I'd pray for them once a month, but only remember them by their face and their location. I have a list of people I pray for, but a few ones have no names. I assume God sees everything? Of course he does. Sure. That's not an issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I do find it very sweet that this listener is remembering a face of someone. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. That where he said, I will pray for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now there's this little bit of, oh, I forgot their name. Mm Mm-hmm but I still want to remember them in my prayers. It's lovely, isn't it? Well, that's a prompting of the Holy Spirit, and that's good. I wish more people would do that. Yeah, yeah I like that, yeah. too. 
And this listener might see that person they're praying for, uh, you know, in eternity. You know, so I think there's exactly God. God hears those prayers, and none of those prayers that this listener is praying, even though it's later than maybe what you know he they had hoped, um, it's it's not in vain. And so I believe that believe in faith that God is going to use those prayers in the life of that person. Mm-hmm. But you know, can I add? I, I, I there was a pastor I have a lot of respect for, and somebody come up and say, "Oh, Pastor Bud, would you pray for me?" And he'd say, "Okay, let's do it right now." Mm-hmm. And I think he did that because he knew he'd forget, you hmm. know, if you wait right. until the evening. Plus, it's good to pray with someone. Isn't that so powerful? I, I try Isn't to that do more that powerful? now. Yeah, it is. So I try to do. Well, Tom, would you pray for? The, could we do it right now? You yep. know. So. Yep. I mean, how often no, I, when you do that, Tom, does someone start to? choke up and go, mm-hmm. oh my, I'm being prayed for right now. Mm-hmm. This is very emotional moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and things come well, out. I've had people say, literally, I didn't intend to share this with you. I didn't intend to bring this up, but I just feel prompted as we're here praying together. Yeah. Pretty neat to see that yeah. happen. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, um, I too, I, I've made it a point too, that I won't actually tell someone that I'm going to pray for them unless I'm, I have time to, to do it right now. Mm-hmm. I, I can still yeah. pray for them. But for me, I just, it just feels so empty to say, I'll pray for you. See you later. You know, right. I, I might still pray for them, but if I, I want to make sure that I have the time to say that, that I can also ask, how can I pray for you? Listen. And by listening, I think is one of the ways that we can display love and then ask, can I pray for you right right now? And I, I would say 9.9 times out of 10, the person has said yes. And, oh, and I have found that once you do it once, um, and this happened recently, you know, then you see them the next time, like, oh, hey, can you also pray for me about? And then it, it, <laughs> yeah. it starts and it keeps going deeper. So Good word. All right. Let me take a little break. More guy talk after the break. Let me know what the questions are. 877-933-2484. 877-933-2484. Be right back. Talk or just listen to this lovely music. Of you course, know what I this picked is? it. You know what that is? Yes. What's it called? Tom, don't quiz the me on the spot. Is the of you, Stefan Grappelli. It's yeah. a great song. It's a great song. Yep. All right. Let's talk a little bit. Ab- Thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's all right, Justin. You. Uh, yeah. You're back with us. All right. Let's uh, talk yeah. a little bit about the topic. This came in from a listener on Christian meditation. What is that, and how do you do it? I hope yeah, it's well, not. It's, I hope it's not people saying one word over and over and over, thinking that's going to make them one with God. No. Yeah, that's not biblical meditation. And you know, I if people talk about doing yoga, if they mean stretching exercises, fine. But if they're really doing yoga, where they're chanting one word over and over and over to become one with God, that's Hinduism. Mm-hmm. That's not Christianity. Well, that's, they, they call that a mantra. Yeah, and it's often the name of Hindu gods. Mm-hmm. It's being chanted over and over. No, I would never recommend that. For me, biblical meditation is you take a scripture verse, and instead of just reading it, you really talk to the Lord about it. You sit and you think about it in depth. That's I mean, if fine. you take yep. if you take you know uh, John three sixteen and think about this that you're you love the entire world, the cosmos. You've loved everything. And, Lord, what does that really mean for me? How am I supposed to love? That's a different concept, yeah. and I'm very much in favor of that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and I think it's I think it's kind of a key aspect of the of Bible memorization. I think memorization and meditation mm-hmm. go hand in hand. I agree. You know, in Psalm one, you know, those blessed is the man right who delights in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. And and I think that idea of meditating, um, you know, we talked about worry, you know, or anxiety. I think everyone knows how to. Um, Everyone knows how to worry. Everyone knows how to be anxious about something where you're just constantly turning something over and over again in your mind and you can't stop fixating on it. Um, it's, it's kind of the same idea, but in a positive uh, bent of you're, you're, you're ruminating on it. You're turning it over and over and over again. Um, and it's that, you know, almost that kind of idea of, I like to say it's like putting a piece of gum in your mouth or like a food, like you have to chew it in order for it to be digested. And, um, and so I think that's the, that's a key aspect, and I think it's absolutely crucial um, to to stay our minds um, on the th- on the things of, the, of God's kingdom. Nicely done, gentlemen. All right, here's another question. Uh, it is in John chapter 14. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be with me. So is that in the heaven that they go to, or is this place going to be when heaven comes to earth? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Serious. serious. Well, there is, you know, it talks about the new heavens and the new earth coming down. Yes. And so is where is heaven? You know, some Christians believe this earth gets totally destroyed and melts. Others think somehow this, this earth gets melted but transformed and forms the core of the new heavens and the new earth, I kind of think it's gone and we get the new one. But heaven, to be in heaven, is to be in the new heavens and the new earth. Okay. Yeah, but I, you've got to add to this, I think, John 17, where Jesus says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus the Messiah, or Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We often think of eternal life as a place, and the Bible talks about a place. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. But Jesus talked more about it being the relationship, being close to him, knowing him. And so when I've been with people when they're dying, so many have told me on their deathbed, Jesus is here, or Jesus is calling my name, or Jesus is reaching out. So theologically, I come to the conclusion that there is reality to that John 14 in terms of the Lord himself coming for the person. But where they're going, you know, I'm not going to say it's the final kingdom with the, the paved streets of gold. And it's the relationship. And quite frankly, when I was dating my wife, Jan, it didn't matter where we went. All I wanted to do was be with her. I wish she could have said that, but it's the way it worked out. <laughs> but that's the way it works, and it's the same way here. Being with Jesus is the only thing that matters. I could care less about the place, because when I'm with him, I'm in paradise. All right, here's a question that just came in. What mindset should we have towards those who are engaged in advancing New World Order satanic control? My my initial thought was never sanction or give approval to what God calls evil. There's my smart answer for the day. There you go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> lovingly, you've got to love our enemies, and that person who's promoting that kind of thing is our enemy spiritually. But we love our enemies, pray for our enemies, lovingly contradict them when you need to. Uh, don't get ang- angry. Uh, but that doesn't mean you don't say, look, I think you're wrong. One thing I've learned to do is I investigate what they're teaching or what they're saying so that I can legitimately come back and ask them questions that should make them challenge their thinking about where did you come to this conclusion? What research have you done? 
you know, who else believes this and why do they believe this? I think too often as Christians, we're ready to just simply throw up the wall and say, oh, no. And I agree. You know, we don't want to engage in that. But on the other hand, if we can win people out of that, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's another question. I've got a friend who's not a believer. I really want to share Jesus with her, but I am scared because I don't want to make a mistake. I feel like I need some guidance on how to witness that is natural. Mm-hmm. Any ideas? Oh, I got a ton of them. Me too, Tom. Go ahead, you go Justin. first. I, I would say one of, the, one of the Toms go first. What I learned a long time ago, and I went through Kennedy Evangelism Explosion. I, I actually studied with Bill Bright for a while and Campus Crusade. And those are all good things. I'm not diminishing those. But it, it is always based upon me telling you what you need to hear about Jesus to begin with. I then learned how to do active listening. And when I spend more time letting people tell me what's going on in their heart or picking up on what they're talking about, the spiritual door is open. Mm. And in the last 25 years of my life, the number of people I've been privileged to lead the Christ and disciple did not come from me walking in with uh, a direct gospel presentation. It came into their situation, uh, whether talking about their kids or whatever else, and I let them talk. And then they started telling me, why is the Lord letting this happen to me? Or why is it when I pray I don't get an answer? Then we can start moving from there, and it's usually pretty easy. For me, at least, it's been easy to lead someone to Christ at that point. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think sometimes we can all put our, uh, maybe too much emphasis on particular methods. That's what I appreciate what you're saying, Tom. I think that I mean, certainly there's maybe a wrong way, but I think part of it is knowing yourself and how God has uniquely wired you. Um, and But part of it is, you know, being able to build a relationship that's strong enough that can bear the weight of truth um, that, that, that you want to share. And um, there was another ministry that I've been, uh, had been plugged in with for a period of time uh, a number of years ago called uh, Time to Revive. And they actually use um, just using the scripture and having somebody read out loud themselves, you know, basically it's the Romans road, and then it, you enter into a dialogue about it. And so they're reading the word aloud, which has power and effective, uh, it's effective in that, and just in that, but then you're able to explain and talk about it and, mm-hmm. and testify to the power of that in your own life. And the four words that they used around that was love, listen, discern, and respond. And so that idea of love is expressing, hey, how can I pray for you? And so maybe you, yeah. maybe that's the start. Maybe that's the question of yeah. this friend. Hey, you're my friend. I, I appreciate you. I love you. Um, hey, I'm praying for you. But I, I maybe you've never asked them, hey, how can, how can I be praying for you? And then that, that enters into a whole different level of conversation. And then you listen um, and then discern. Ask God for an open door. Um, you know, I think when he gives an open door, then we, have to, then we can just walk through it. <laughs> we don't have to try to force a course or something to happen. And trust that in God's timing, um, that you can He'll provide that open door, and that conversation will take place. You know, I I pray before I get on the airplane. You know, Lord, if it's Your will, put me next to someone to share the gospel. And this person's question, this viewer's question, sounds like me on the plane because I get nervous if somebody's sitting right next to me. Because okay, Lord, how do I do this? <laughs> and I do get nervous, mm-hmm. and then I'm. Uh, and sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. But if it doesn't, I start, I pray under my breath, Lord, if it will open a door. And it's amazing as oh, the yeah. conversation goes on that yeah. it does kind of naturally come up. Now, I got to admit, sometimes it doesn't naturally come up and I bring it up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think both are okay. But I'd rather do the natural part. And so I think if you're a friend of this person, just start praying, Lord, open a door. 
and just see what happens. Now, maybe you're already doing that, but uh, yeah. I've got a whole seminar I've been teaching for the last 10 years, and I love my title. You know, I wish I could just say it was original, but my wife helped me with this one. It's getting others to ask you to tell them about Jesus. The point is, when people want to hear about Jesus or when they take the initiative to say, I need to know more about this, you've got an open door. Mm-hmm. What oftentimes happens is we're trying to bang in a door in somebody's life they don't want to open. And so part of it is learning how to get people to talk. Mm. getting people to share their heart, getting them to share their life. So they start talking to you. And when they do, that's when they get the divine appointments. That's when doors open. That's when things can happen. I would like to compliment the power panel today, but I'll let a listener do it who wrote in and just said, you guys are fantastic. Your wisdom blows me away. I vote to have Guy Talk five days a week. Thanks for all that you do. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I'll thank oh, my wife okay. when I get home. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. That's very kind. Gentlemen, Thanks for having us, Bill. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, Bill. Yep. Thank you so much. That wraps up Guide Talk. Thanks for all the great questions. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, Dr. Chris Bruno is going to be joining the program. I'm looking forward to having a conversation with him about the apostles and how they are a perfect model for evangelism. And then Dr. Mitch Glazer will be joining me as well. That's all coming up on the next hour. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.